Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for that warm welcome. You know that story that you just told about my husband? I hadn't heard that before. And it brought little tears to my eyes. He's just so sweet. And I get touched easily with stuff like that. I'm such a mom. Um, Well, I'm so, so thankful to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you this morning. Like, excited, for real. So we're going to have a good time. Uh, But first, I want to thank and honor um, Pastor Carrick and First Lady Raquel. Beautiful couple. We got to meet with them and sit with them for a few hours yesterday. And man, are they a team. You guys have awesome leadership. You all are an amazing marriage couple. It's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then also I want to thank your team. Your team is amazing. I have never felt more taken care of and safe inside of a building. And then we have Minister Newman and Starge who've just been so patient and helpful. And so great team, great leadership. Thank you all for having us. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to pray and open up with scripture and then we'll sit. Thank you, Father God, for these amazing people. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, speak through my mouth. Let my words be your words. I only want to say what I hear you say and do what I see you do, Father God. I thank you now for the deliverance that comes through your truth, the deliverance that can only come through your truth. And I decree that we all in this place are free, delivered, peaceful, full of joy, full of love. In Jesus' name, let the seed of your word go deep in the hearts of the hearers and let it bear much fruit. We rebuke any, anything the devourer can do to steal that seed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm going to read a scripture, so let's stand for the reading of the word. Um, 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. This is just the kind of foundation of what I want to talk about. 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. This is the NIV version. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Stop. Does it mean that we can't? Do our hair or wear jewelry and fine clothes? No, it's not saying that. So go on ahead. It's just that's not where your beauty comes from, ladies. Okay? But rather, it should be that, your, that of your inner self, the unfading, never fading, never gets old, never wrinkles, never sags, beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Please go ahead and sit if you don't mind. Um, That is our foundational scripture today. The message I'm teaching today, I've titled Peaceful and Quiet. But let me tell you, it's not going to be what you expect, okay? So peaceful and quiet. So first, I want to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? All right, so this is not a story I've ever told publicly before. I had to get my husband's permission, and he lovingly obliged, because it's just such a good story. Um, it, it, It applies so well. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about something that happened with my husband and I. So uh, if, if you are familiar with us at all, you know we have a great marriage. It's something that we, we uh, do ministry to marriage. I minister to wives uh, concerning being a great wife. I actually have some books in the bookstore area over here. Um, one is about being an amazing wife. 
just going to real quick plug that before I go on. One, the white one with like turquoise is about being an amazing wife. That is for singles and marrieds. If you're a great wife already, it will encourage you. If you really have been looking for some help, it's like eight hours of counseling in a book of how to do it right. It's from the inside out. The other one is um, biblical truths concerning divorce and remarriage. And that one is, I've been divorced before, and I've seen what the word says about it, and you know what? I'm going to talk about that a little bit here. So I'm going to pause on where, where the book is coming from, but let me tell you that the way the Bible has worded it has been incorrectly translated, and that book will set you free. And anyone, if you know anyone who's divorced, it will set you free. You're thinking about that. Okay, that being said, we love each other. He's a, an amazing husband. He's so kind. He's so loving. He's Privately, he's even better. People hear him publicly like, adore me. And, it, and privately, he just does the same thing, even better. Um, so that being said, I have this great husband. I've known him for uh, 12 years, 12 and a half. I don't know, a while. We'll be married 11 years. It was like the year before that. Okay, so 11 and a half years. And we were in the bathroom one day. He had been a little, a little testy here and there that week, but we were in the bathroom, and, and I needed something, and he looked available, and I wasn't. I just needed, you know how you need something in that moment, like maybe your toothbrush is in your mouth, and you need something in that moment, but you can't go get it kind of thing? So I was like, hey, can you go in the closet and get me? I can't remember what it was, but I asked him to grab me something, and he said, yeah. So I look at him, and I realize he's not going right now, and I need it now, but, but it was okay. I thought, you know what? I'm going to be available faster than he's going to be available, so I'm just going to go get this. This is my thinking, right? No beef. No issue. I was like, I'll just go get it. And I went to the closet to get the thing, right? And he like storms in and was like something about him wanting to get it. He got so angry, so angry, like I had never in my entire time I've known him seen him act like that. Has anyone ever seen someone act completely out of character? Okay, so he did this thing. He did a big thing. He didn't like hit me or anything. It wasn't to me. But he got real angry right there in front of me and had like a little explosion, which is very unlike him. He's a more laid back guy, okay? He has intense, you'll see when he speaks or you've seen him, intense body language. He's kind of loud, but he's laid back. So he did this thing and I was like, I mean, it was, he was angry and it was completely out of line and uncalled for. <laughs> Wives, well, I'm talking to married people, right? Yeah. Like, I, 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 you know, and now, now let me tell you, if you can't tell already, I'm a strong woman. I have, it's a very comfortable place for me to kind of be like, hold on, uh-uh, you did not just do, like, that is, like, for me to say, that was uncalled for, I just wanted to go get something in the closet, you know, like, that's, so I'm not one of those people that, like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm, I wasn't scared, I'm not scared of my husband, I also know he would never lay a hand on me, so I'm not scared of him that way, you know what I mean? So, but what did I do? Nothing. I just paused walked by him <laughs> out of the closet and went back to the bathroom and did what I needed to do. And he you know, very quickly just kind of exited the whole bedroom area. And so I went in the bathroom, and I'm in the bathroom. And I could have once again, you know, that self-talk, that emotional self-talk, and like, how dare he? I didn't even do anything wrong. And I could have, you know, and just kind of talk to yourself and kind of get yourself so where, you know, to the point where you, like, go down and find him. You make, listen, you know. But I didn't. I didn't. You know what I did? I said, okay this is not my husband, what's happening? 
So what I first did was I started rebuking stuff. <laughs> I was like, spirit of witchcraft, anyone who's speaking over him, it can't touch him. I do, you know, I was quiet because I didn't want him to hear me. But I was, I was like rebuking stuff because this is not my husband. So when someone acts completely out of character, very often it can be people speaking stuff over them or, you know. And then I started thinking, okay, how can I keep him safe while getting someone to help me out here? So I was like, okay, I'll call his mom. Like, who, who could pray with me? Moment of faith that could pray with me, but not change the way they view my husband based on that thing. So I was like, okay, maybe I can, I can get his mom to, you know, because I, I was just, I just wanted to, this was, this is how big this was. This is how different this was for him. He didn't cuss or anything, just so you know. <laughs> he doesn't use bad language. Um, so I, th- this was my reaction. My reaction was not to let him know, to give him a piece of my mind. It was to pray for my husband, and find people in a covering way that could help me. Now, I didn't actually end up calling them because he came up soon after, and he, um, he said, now, let me, let me backtrack and just tell you a little something. We have a son who's vegan, and, and he was eating a lot of soy, and soy, I don't know if you have, no, has estrogen in it, and so I had purchased. I'd gone to GNC and said, what can I do to like, get it, like, something for testosterone to replace? Because I didn't know exactly what to do. I just didn't want my son to, to have too much estrogen being put in him all the time because a lot of vegan substitutes are soy-based. This is not about nutrition. Do whatever you want to do. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Try to stay healthy, all right? But I, I had a testosterone boost, okay? So he comes up and he says, you know, and he apologized as he would, and he said, you know, and I probably should, shouldn't, shouldn't take that testosterone boost either. And I was like, oh, you took the testosterone? That, and, and, and I don't know if you all know. Now, now, my husband, you can see, but you see better and not a blazer. This man is full of testosterone. He's all the way, he weighs like 20 pounds more than he should because he's all muscle. That's a little plug for my fine husband. But, like, he does not need any more testosterone. He has a level of intensity that comes from it that is plenty, okay? That's what, and that's, that explained this. That, I, could, I could tell all week, maybe about a week and a half, that something was different. He'd only taken a few times because he works out, and the way he understood it is that taking that right before your workout can boost your workout. But maybe what he hadn't thought of is that it also intensifies everything, all of your emotions. It's like, like PMS for a woman. You know, like it's all real. Like he might have not liked that I went to the closet, but that intensity, the intensity of your feelings about those things, right? That's, you know, wait a week, then talk about it. Um, so that's what it was. It was not witchcraft. It was not anything major. He's never since acted like that again because he stayed away from those pills after that. <laughs> um, and uh, and he, it, he leveled out. You know, <laughs> when I was thinking about this moment and she was singing, I was like, it says, there's a storm out on the ocean. He came in. And he did that, and I was like, ooh, there's a storm out on the ocean. <laughs> but God. So, so I, I'm, I'm, what I'm talking about, this peaceful and quiet, um, I know it says, uh, we'll, we'll go on. Quiet is not silence or volume. Quiet is not, I wouldn't speak, I'm soft, I'm meek. Or the, the volume, like, well, you wouldn't, uh, you know, like, like those, those um, comments that are uh, contentious but like under your breath, that doesn't mean, that's not what quiet means, okay? Like you would have had time to do if you hadn't been on your phone all day. Like that's not quiet. Quiet is not about what's on the outside. It's not about your temperament or your personality type. You can be as strong of a woman. How many women here are strong? Strong. All right, you're in good company. I'm in good company. You could be as strong of a woman as you want, 
But quiet is the spirit. Peaceful is the spirit. Where it is, what's, it's not what's on the outside. It's what's happening inside that will come to the outside. What's the, what, what comes out, the content of what comes out is evidence of what kind of spirit you have on the inside. Okay, so this peaceful, peaceful and quiet spirit is often misinterpreted, and unfortunately, especially by men, which is funny because I know I'm a strong woman because all my life I was told that I was a strong woman. So it's misinterpreted, and then you're told, you're told, you're told, and then women also think maybe, maybe I'm not this peaceful and quiet either. Um, when we went to Ramah, I went to Ramah when I was, it was like 22 years ago, and my sister also went, and my sister has this like, she's like little, and she kind of has this, you know, and she had hair down to here. She's like a Disney princess. She actually auditioned or was asked to audition for Jasmine when she lived in Florida. Like, she just kind of has this, like, very meek aura. And men loved her at Rayma. Like, they just loved her. They were all over her. Who's your sister? Who's that girl? Who's this? And I'm like, what am I, a piece of meat? But, 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 I, but <laughs> I was not that. I was strong. I was 18, so I was like the girl who like, would go to a party where there's no dancing and I'd be doing like a hip-hop routine in the, in the corner. Like, I, was just, I was just obviously strong, but you misinterpret. Now, my sister's awesome. She does have a great spirit, by the way. But you misinterpret sometimes what a quiet or meek or quiet and peaceful spirit is because you're looking at the outside. And what is on the inside matters. You can be strong and have that spirit. Okay, so just like... God doesn't ask you to change your, your personality type. He's not saying be, be quiet and peaceful and, and literally quiet. He's not asking you to change who you are. He wants you. God designed you exactly how you are. I'm speaking to everyone here. He designed you exactly how you are so that you could worship him in the way that he designed you to worship him. So you could love him the way he designed you to love him. So you could do the things. So when we start comparing our Christianity or our worth to other people, or, you know, I remember in high school, I used to see the quiet people, and I wanted to be like that. So I'd come to school, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be really quiet and cool and laid back today. And I'd try to be quiet. And it would last like a minute and a half. And immediately I'd find something to do. It just doesn't work. I actually watched... My daughter do it because she has a friend who's quiet and she loves her and they come over and I watched her do it with Serenity. She, she like was talking and I, we said something about Serenity being quiet and then I asked Lily something and she went, and I was like, Lily, don't try it because it's not you. <laughs> like I knew exactly what was happening. So Jesus didn't ask his disciples either to change their personality types, right? He didn't say, now, now I know you're coming to follow me now, Peter, so you need to chill out a little bit. Don't be so quick to speak. Don't do that. He didn't do that. He said to his disciples, just trust me and give me everything. Trust me and love me with everything you have. Okay? So I just want to make sure that you're, you understand your version of Christianity should be unique to you and how God designed you. You were not made with mistakes. If you are quiet, that's beautiful and admirable. And if you are loud, that's perfectly fine too because God needs both. All right, if you can pray for four and a half hours at a time, God bless you. That is your ministry. But someone who, who, who prays shorter periods of time, don't feel like you lack anything. You might be in here serving nine hours at a time. You know, that might be the way you serve God, okay? So we should all have a balanced Christianity and have the Christian disciplines. However, we are all different. And just because you don't do what another Christian does, you are no less. You have a gift, and he's given it to you. Praise God. Okay, so as we talked about, we're talking about peace. 
there's a level of peace that causes you to act right in relationships, right? And then, if you don't have it, you can act wrong. And when we don't have peace, what, what is out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the? Right, so what's inside comes out, and when our mouth speaks, we're releasing our faith. And if we don't have the right kind of peace inside, we can say destructive things over our relationship. And it's, you, you're still releasing your power, right? So we don't want to say things that will destroy our relationship or the people we're around, our marriage. Um, peace, having a spirit of peace, a peaceful spirit, will overcome negative things like, um, actually, you know what? Yeah, no. It'll come never negative conditions like worry, discontentment, anger, depression, hate. Peace actually replaces all of those. Okay, so when you have a peace that comes from the right places, which is what we're going to talk about, then it replaces all of those crooked and evil sources inside of you that can be the source of what your mouth speaks. All right, so we need to seek the peace of God, but there is a certain way. Um, Quickly, I'm going to make sure we understand the definition of peace. So gentle here, gentle and quiet spirit, that's translated gentle, interestingly. However, quiet is translated tranquil, peaceful, steady, settled, your spirit. Steady, settled. And people, you know, they, they look at the outside of me and they don't necessarily see that. I'm like exciting, I talk a lot, right? Right? Do I talk a lot, Minister Newman? I talk a lot. I have to discipline myself not to talk much in the way here because my, my husband, he likes to stay quiet. So I kept stopping myself and he'd be silent for a few minutes and then I'd say something again. Um, so, okay, steady. But, but I'm saying, but the inside of me is steady and settled. I am secure in the love of God. I trust God. Okay, due to a divinely inspired inner calmness, consistent, calmly quiet, appropriately tranquil. I like that. Tranquil at the appropriate times or for the appropriate reasons, by not, this is great, by not misusing or, ladies, overusing words that would stir up needless friction or destructive commotion. My husband has told me before, you tell me something once or twice, that's fine, you know, remind me. Uh, he said, by about the third time, it feels like nagging. Now me, I think I'm being helpful. I think he truly forgot and I just want to help him. But I've learned, excuse me, that, and it's in the book, that too many words men interpret as nagging. No matter what your motive is, even if you are genuinely trying to be helpful, it's interpreted that way. So if you can find a way to make the first or second one stick and then leave it alone, if he forgets, he forgets, okay? But, but just, it's words, it's words, period. It's not even how you, how you say the words. So by not misusing or overusing words that would, that would stir up needless friction or destructive commotion. Real quickly, we'll go to the Amplified, read the same verse, and then we're going to talk about how to have this peace of God, this peaceful spirit. Amplified is, in, uh, I'm sorry, same verse, 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Your adornment must not be merely external, with interweaving and elaborate knotting of the hair and wearing gold jewelry or being superficially preoccupied with dressing it in expensive clothes. I like superficially preoccupied. So go ahead, do it, but it shouldn't take up most of your time. Shopping, styling, all that should, should just be a side thing. All right, y'all know who, if you, you know I'm talking to you. If it's you I'm talking to you, you know I'm talking to you. So, but let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality and unfading charm, unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, one that is calm and self-controlled, not over-anxious, not over-anxious, 
but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. It's precious because it saves your marriage. It's precious because it doesn't, if your man is, it, it doesn't rob his anointing. It preserves the anointing of you and him. Like the peaceful spirit inside of me, I could have said some destructive things in that moment, right? And my job as a wife, and I learned this from his mother, Veronica Winston, is to preserve the anointing on the man of God. So if that means, no, you can't come by today, come over today, or I can't, I need to be here so I can make sure that he has peace. Whatever it is, when he comes home, it's a place of peace. Preserve his anointing, because things can rob the anointing. All right. Um, Amen. The verse is not referring to temperament or disposition. We said that it's a spirit that is gentle, still, consistent, forbearing, suffering long, and kind. And in order to do this, we need the peace of God. All right, so I'm going to tell you three things you need to do, you must do, in order to have a peaceful spirit. Three things. I'm going to tell you all of them, and then I'm going to go back and teach them, okay? And explain them. So one is make a decision to love and trust God and his word completely and with everything. That's a long one. It's the longest one. To make a decision, it's a decision, 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 decision. Just like loving your spouse every day is a decision, right? You made a decision when you decided to get married to love them, to love God. So to love and trust God, excuse me, make a decision to love and trust God and his word completely with everything. Number two, abide in the love of Jesus. Abide in the love of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, you can write these, you might leave some space, but I want to make sure you know what, you're about, what we're about to talk about. And three is submit everything to prayer. Submit everything to prayer. Okay, so first, we're going to go quickly through these, and then we'll close, and then my husband will come up. This is a decision that says, no matter what, I trust you, Lord. No matter what, I trust you, Lord. Deaths, illnesses, whatever I see, whatever I read in the word, and this is what I was going to talk about. I read in the word that if I marry another man after I've been divorced, I'm committing adultery. And this is the thing. I could have, we could look at something like that, because I'm married, and I'm not getting divorced. I'm not divorcing my husband because of that. All right, so we could look at something and say, oh, no, I just read this. This is what God says? Well, I'm going to walk away because, or I'm not going to trust the word the same way, or I'm not going to trust God the same way because this, I can't live with this, right? But no, my spirit didn't convict me. I know my God. I trust him. So instead of trying to prove God wrong in any way, I decided to prove him right. And I said, I'm not convicted. I know I'm in the will of God. I need, to exp I need this explained. And I called the man of God who... Um, was a pastor at our church. He's very uh, well known for marriage. Marriage ministry is what it's, he's like an expert. It's amazing what he knows, and um, the depth of his knowledge is possibly not matched. I called him and he said, "Yeah, you are off the hook. You're good. <laughs> there is a mistranslation. I'll explain it to you." He explained it to me a bit. I went ahead and I studied it out completely, and I put a book out on it because y'all need to. You need to know. Is there anyone here? And you don't raise your hand if you're not comfortable. Who's been divorced before? Okay. You need to know that the word has been mistranslated. That's not what it says. You can get the book. There's actually a video also on um, Sarah Jakes Roberts, the woman evolve. She put a video out also of me. She asked me to do the, put the content on there. So if you subscribe to it or if you want to, you can see it like that if you don't want to get the book. But the book explains it in much greater detail, the correct translation of what Jesus actually meant there. What I'm saying is I didn't walk away. When you see something, you don't try to prove God wrong or turn you try to prove him right. Here's an example when you trust God. Someone went to my husband and basically, I'm going to go quickly, accused him, told him that I was cheating on him. Basically accused me of cheating on him, to him, personally. Um, and 
my husband has known me for 11 and a half years. And he trusts me. He knows my character. He knows who I am. He did not keep it from me and then seek out more information to try to prove me wrong, right? He went straight to me, and he tried to prove me right because he says, he said, now, he didn't like the way it felt. So when we have these things, when we, when we see something that doesn't line up or, or someone dies and you know they shouldn't have died or there's an illness, you see what I'm saying? It, it hurts. He said it hurt his stomach. <laughs> Literally, his physical stomach, when he hurt it, it gave him a stomach ache. But, so it, it hurts, these things that happen. But he said, no, I trust my wife. No matter what, no matter who I saw pass away, no matter how long I knew their life should be, or no matter what I read or what I saw or video I watched on YouTube that seems like maybe everything I believe isn't true. No, I trust God because I made a decision to, and I'm going to prove him right. I'm going to seek out, I'm going to seek out God's way. So he came to me, he asked me, it was a ridiculous thing. Actually, as a matter of fact, the person she heard it from was like, later accused of murder and diagnosed with some serious mental illnesses. So, you know, it's just, you get proved right. There's a few other things that happened that I won't mention here, because it makes, it makes it a little too plain who it is. I'll, I know you all don't know her, but, but <laughs> I got proved right, let's just say that, okay? <laughs> but my husband trusted me. It's a trust that says, I trust you, and no matter what happens, I'm going to trust you. Um, I need to move quickly. Mark 12:30 says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So we're talking about love and trust. Love and trust go hand in hand. They, um, they're interwoven, okay? Because of what love is. We all know what love is, right? Let's quickly go to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up, does not behave rudely, rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things. When I love you, I believe the best in you. The Amplified says, believes the best in every situation or bless the best of a person in every situation. Basically, it says, I trust you, okay? Uh, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay, so now let's go back to Mark. It said your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Jesus said this, right? These are four things. Your heart is your inner life, intentions, your passions, your affections. So I love and trust God with all that part of me, okay? Soul is the human person, the breath of life. He's referring here to your identity, who you are, like what we call, kind of call the spirit, like the who you are. The real you. Mind is understanding, intellect, insight, reasoning, critical thinking. When you consider all sides and still trust God. Some people think, oh, you can't love God with your mind. Absolutely you can. Jesus told you to. So you better love God with your mind. As a matter of fact, if you're doubting with your mind, if your heart says yes and your mind's like, ugh, you need to seek out the truth of God. There are people, there's actually one guy whose um, life's work is to go and prove God right. He goes to colleges, atheists ask him questions, they try to prove God wrong, and that's what he does. His name's Frank Turek. You can find him on YouTube. He has tons of videos. Frank Turek, T-U-R-E-K. If you seek to love God with all your mind, this cannot help but develop into trust. Okay, it's very important. And then your strength. Your strength is um, your ability, your power, your force. I like ability because my ability, so let's say gifts. What is my ability? Like, like if I can sing. I love God with all of my singing, with all of my voice. If, um, if I'm an intellectual, I love God with all of that part of me. If I'm, na name some gifts, gifts. Pre preacher, 
If I am a great public speaker, I love God with all my public speaking. You see, so it's your ability. When God, when Jesus told the rich young, was it the ruler, the, he, to, to sell everything he had and serve him, he, he's not making the point that he needs you to be poor and give everything. He was making, that was his ability. That was his power. That's what he had. Jesus said, if you can love me with all of your ability, all of your power, that thing you have that makes you you and makes you special and, 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 and value, the, that the thing where your value is, then you can come with me. Then you can follow me. All right? So that, that verse wasn't about money. That was about loving him with all of your strength, and that was his strength. All right. Excuse me. Um, I have a chart. We're going to flash it up. Let me know if it's up. It's a chart that explains how loving in 1 Corinthians, I love to put verses together. In 1 Corinthians 13, these different things, you can categorize them into heart, soul, mind, strength. Okay, it's up there. If you're interested, you can snap a picture or whatever, but you see how that works? So this right here, this 1 Corinthians, it, it very easily just falls into the categories of heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some of them are double category. Um, and so it's just good to know that you can love God 100%. So, okay, and one last thing, uh, not a last thing, uh, something about trusting God. When it comes to loving, okay, we're talking about loving and trusting, right? Jesus isn't just Jesus. I'm going to say this statement and we're going to move on. No, I have to really explain it. We'll do it like this. Show the picture, the full-size picture of the body. The full size, like with the head. You guys see that? Is there a face there? No, the head. I want the head, the face. Is it there now? It's the one, it's the slide before it. Hmm? Right. Is the slide before it has the head to the head. Do you see it? Okay. Who is that? Yeah, it's the back. Who is it? I'm sorry, head. Do we know who that is? It's not, a, it's not like a trick question. It's Pastor David. It's Pastor David. Yes. Now show me the other picture. Right? Is it up now? Now who is it? Still Pastor David? But that's just his body. So you're saying that if it's his body, it's still Pastor David, right? Okay. The church is the what of Christ? If you're not loving the church, the people in the church, you're not loving Christ. If I was unloving to my husband's body, if I abused it, overworked it, ignored it, never fed it, never did anything for it, oops, I wouldn't be loving my husband. So if you're not loving the people in the church, every single one of them, even the difficult ones, you're being unloving to Jesus because his body is him. All right. Amen. Okay, number two. We're going to do these last two in about a minute. So, abide in the love of Jesus. Go ahead and write down John 15, 9 through 10. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Therefore, remain or abide in my love. And do not doubt my love for you. How? How do I abide in the love of Jesus? Verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments and obey my teaching. Say it with me. If you keep my commandments and obey my teaching. Stop. You will abide in my love obedience. He said, just as I've kept my father's commandments and remain and abide in his love. So just as means the same way. So just, just how Jesus abides in the love of God. Imagine the depth of that, how Jesus abided in the love of God when he faced death, when he faced persecution, 
He just stayed in the river of his love, and he had peace. He had peace, not to say that he wasn't hurting or sad or scared, but there was a peace. He trusted God. He knew what to do. The same way we can abide in Jesus just by obedience, keep his commandments, and obey his teaching. And then we're going to go. You can also write down uh, John 15, 12 through 14. They go with it. And then 13, 34, he commands us to love. More commandments of Jesus is basically love. Love, 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 love. And then there's a few more. We were going to do an exercise. I'll just tell you, instead of you telling your neighbors, some more commandments of Jesus to forgive, to deny yourself, believe, ask, seek, knock, repent. Just find them in the New Testament. Go to the New Testament and find out commandments of Jesus. Last thing is submit everything to prayer. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious or worried about everything, anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Make your, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. I used to be a worrier. I'm Italian. It was required. And it was like, you're a bad mom if you don't worry. Okay? And then I read that, and I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to be anxious or worry about anything? Like, I thought that this was what I was supposed to, I thought it was, you know, my mom. And so I gave it to God with prayer. I give everything with prayer and thanksgiving, and I make my request known to God. And I can say I'm worry-free. Matthew 6, 27 tells us that basically worry doesn't help you nothing. Nain. It's just, it adds nothing to your life. It can only be destructive. So you cannot worry. Give everything to God. Philippians 4 through 8, we all know. This is our measuring stick. This is what you're allowed to think about. Things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, anything praiseworthy. So if you're thinking about that, that, um, that person that spoke badly of you and kind of how their character is, if they are not noble, stop thinking about them. You don't think about it. Last thing I want to say before I get down is that um, having peace and a peaceful spirit, this is how you do with these three things, you can have that peaceful spirit. Having that be the thing that you speak your word of your power from can be a fountain of life for your marriage, your relationship, the people around you, even yourself. Not having it can destroy. So choose a peaceful spirit, make a decision, and don't turn back until you know what's inside of you is peace. All right? Praise God. Thank you. That's all I have. Amen. Praise God. Well, thank you for that excellent word. Praise God. You all may be seated. Thank you so much. Wasn't that good? Oh, quiet and peaceful spirit. I love that. I love that about my wife because, you know, she always, even in the midst of situations that seem like they should be intense, she's always, you know, just real calm and cool, even as strong as a woman as she is. She's real calm and cool. And I'm like, why are you not upset about this? But that's my flesh talking. (laughs) That's okay. The flesh wants to talk sometimes. We tell it to quiet down. Amen. Well, I'm so glad to be here with you uh, in the house of the Lord today. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord? And uh, I'm excited to be with you, and um, congratulations on your new building. It's wonderful. Has the the new building smell and everything. Like, it's still permeating through here. Smells like a new home. 
And, uh, and I'm glad that you came out this morning. Uh, I'm so glad and grateful for Pastor Carrick and Lady Raquel and their friendship. Can we honor them? And uh, you have great leaders in the house of the Lord. So grateful for you, man of God, for your wife and for your family. Uh, you all are doing great things. And I always love coming to a house of faith where uh, faith has been taught. Um, the spirit of faith is here. It's been established in faith. And I love coming to faith houses because it's so much easier to teach. I'm, you know, I, know I'm, I know I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to be impartial. Uh, but I love preaching at faith houses because, you know, it's, it's, like, you know you, you, it's like I'm preaching at home. And I get so excited about that. And uh, I know a thing or two about growing up in a household of faith. And, and what I'm going to talk to you about is I'm going to continue the conversation that Nikki started about building a household of faith. And she talked about quiet and peaceful spirit and um, being able to trust God. And I'm going to continue to build on that. And, and Pastor Carrick and I know a thing or two about uh, growing up in a household of faith. I grew up in the household with uh, Bill and Veronica Winston, and uh, it was a household of faith. Amen. Praise God. Some of you all might have heard of him before. I'm not sure, but... Um, but, you know, it was, it was something that, you know, what he preaches on the pulpit is real. I mean, it was real life for me. That's what I had to live. And you know you grew up in a household of faith where you come and have a request, and the request is met by have a need, sow a seed. <laughs> but, Dad, I need shoes. You need to sow a seed. Like, I got to sow a seed for some Jordans? What's up with this? <laughs> no, they were great parents. They always provided. And, um, but they did more than provide. They taught me about the provider. They did more than just give to me. They taught me how to give. They taught me that when you have a need and what you have in your account isn't enough to meet your need, then what you have in account wasn't meant to meet your need. It was meant to be a seed. That there's more than enough in my heavenly account each and every time. How many of you all believe it? And so growing up in the household of faith, this is what I was taught. Oh, and let me start my time. This is what I was taught. And, um, and even my first car, I actually, I got it by faith. I got it debt-free, a 2002 Toyota Camry, silver. It was nice. It was clean. I kept it clean. And uh, got it debt-free, bought it cash by sowing a seed. Growing up in the household of faith. Now, this is something that I was taught and that I continue to live. And me and my uh, wife and my family, we live this. This is not something that we're teaching in theory. I'm glad that Pastor Carrick told you about his perpetual favor on his life. And what's on his life is on your life because of the anointing that is transferred to you in this house. So the same favor that he's talking about, you have access to. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. I didn't come up here intending to preach, but I'm getting happy already. It's good. This is the good news, amen? amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. If it's good, you should be happy about it. Oh, Lord. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. You're very familiar with this verse and several things that I'll say you're very familiar with, but, um, but how many of you all know that we need a reminder every now and then? You know, when the test is coming, the teacher always goes through all of the stuff, right? Or they'll give you a, a, a cheat sheet, or they'll give you a review sheet, or they'll help you bring to remembrance everything that was said over the semester. Well, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
I love that song y'all sung, Faith Friends. We are faith friends. I love that. Faith friends. I'm going to be singing that on the way home. But the just shall live by faith. Now, who's the just? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Turn to your other neighbor, the good-looking one. Say, that's you. We are in the family of faith together. We're in the family of faith. The Christian, the Christian belief was founded on faith. A part of the Christian faith, that is you and me. So we are called to live by faith. That means that everything that we do was supposed to be by faith and is supposed to be by faith. For the believer, the quality of life, the dignity of life, the success of our life, the longevity of life is all anchored on faith. If we are called to live by faith, then the Christian believer dies without it. Our dignity as believers is compromised when we do not walk by faith. And when we live a life that is without faith, we are not living the life that God has intended for us to live. Walking by faith as a Christian believer is inescapable. And what God has for you, for your marriage, for your family, for your household, is anchored on faith. You cannot get to it by creative reasoning or strategic kinds of concepts. What God has for you is in a higher realm than what you can naturally perceive. So you have to see it from a different lens, from a different perspective, which takes a biblical perspective. I'm getting ahead of myself for a second. But to be successful in your finances... Come on, your purpose, your health, even your relationships, you have to operate by faith. Say, I'm walking by faith. So if we are told to live by faith as Christian believers, then that means that we have to live our marriages by faith. We have to raise our children by faith. We have to get that promotion by faith. Amen? So if we claim to be a Christian, there's a built-in implication that we would use our faith. So the question is, how can I have a Christian marriage without faith? How can I claim to have a Christian household without the element of faith? It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, um, turn in the, um, the NIV version. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in the NIV translation. It says this. I like the way it, it puts it. I know you're familiar with this verse. Now, faith, faith excuse me, is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So it is the assurance of something that we can't see. But we have to have an element of being able to see it or how could we grasp it? So how do we see something that we can't see? See, God gave us an imagination, not so we can imagine doom and gloom, but so that we can imagine and put a picture to what God has captured in his word. So the more you meditate, the more you see. Come on, somebody. The more you meditate, the more you can see. And if you cannot see it, you cannot seize it. You cannot capture what you cannot picture. So in God's word, he gives us a biblical blueprint for natural relationships. He helps us understand 
what he wanted us to have as a perspective for relationships, for marriages, for our relationships with family members, for our own parents, for our sons, for our daughters, for our nieces and our nephews, even for that relationship that's a little strain that you might have with your boss, that you have to go back tomorrow morning and still walk in that love that Miss Nikki was just talking about. So a good marriage, if I look in the Word, a good marriage is not acquired. A good marriage is built. A good marriage is built, and you all know this. How many people do I have in here that are married? Come on, where are my married folks at? Woo, 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 woo. Married life is a good life. Oh, but marriage will teach you a lot about yourself, won't it? Oh, it'll teach you a whole lot about yourself. It'll help you grow. But marriage was a vehicle that God had already intended to help you grow outside of yourself. He intended to use it as a growth vehicle for you because he knew that, okay, you're going to get to this certain point, but then you might start hitting a ceiling. So I'm going to give to you somebody who can help you because God gave Adam a helpmate, right? Well, if she's a helpmate and she's called to help, if my wife is called to help me, then what is she called to do if she's called to help me? If she's called to help me, then there's an implication that we are doing something together. So God gave Eve to Adam when he saw that he had reached the ceiling and the limit of his own potential by himself. All alone. It's not good that man should be alone. All one by himself. So I'm going to make him a helper so he can continue to create and continue creation. They will be fruitful and multiply. So God has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives and each one of our marriages, each one of our relationships. There's nothing that is being done that is by accident. Turn with me to um, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Is this all right so far? All right. Praise God. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, a familiar scripture. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through faith. So the blessing of Abraham would come upon us that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So whatever this blessing of Abraham is, we need faith to receive it, right? But let's go and see what that blessing is. Genesis chapter 12 in verse uh, 1 through 3. Turn with me real quick. I know I got you turning some scriptures, but Pastor Carrick has trained you real good. Your fingers have some uh, endurance. Amen. It says in uh, Genesis chapter 12 in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country. And from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Sounds like faith to me. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. So if you're writing notes, someone should write this down. Your kingdom mandate as a family, is not being done if you are not being a blessing to others. This is Bible. 
In you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. And I am blessing you to be a blessing. So our kingdom mandate as kingdom families is to be a blessing to the families around us that are attached to us. So that means that we have to be in a specific place to be able to be a blessing to others. It's hard to be a blessing to somebody else when you can't pay your own rent. Amen. I'm going to bless you with some rent money, but the Lord knows my rent money is lacking right now. But when we are receiving the blessing, we're living in the blessing, and things are overflowing in our lives, it's easy to overflow onto others. Amen? So what did this blessing of Abraham, what did this blessing do? This blessing was something that kicked in, and he had kids by faith. You know the story. I mean, Abram was 100 years old having kids. He was past the age of childbearing. And it talks about in Romans chapter 4 that he wavered not at the promise, but he was strengthened in faith, knowing that he who had promised it was able to perform that which he said he would do. And then it says that he did not consider his own body nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. So that means that under the blessing, it doesn't matter what the doctor says, my womb shall not be barren. Not in a Christian house, not in a family of faith. Doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. The prognosis is I shall live and not die. There's divine health, health and healing in my family. In my, and, and wealth and riches shall be in my house. So divine provision is always supposed to be in my house. That is what my inheritance is. It talked about that, uh, uh, you know, Abraham, he left. It said, go to a land that I'm going to show you. So he up and left. He left Atlanta and went west coast, but didn't have any plan. God said, go to a land that I will show you. Now, when did, the when, when did it really kick in? As soon as he said yes, everything went into motion. But God couldn't move Abram for Abram. Abram had to decide to move himself under God's direction. And then what did God do? He provided. Jehovah Jireh doesn't just mean the God who provides. It means, come on, the God who sees and provides. So he saw what you were going to go through. He saw what your family would need. He saw the job that you would need. So if you've been six months jobless, this didn't catch God by surprise. But I have news for you. The harvest isn't hidden from you. It's hidden for you. Your faith can create a job that didn't even have a job description previously in a company. And you show up and they say, you're just who we were looking for. We don't even have anything that fits the description of what you have. But you're so good. You're so gifted. And they don't know it. But it's the favor of God on your life that is saying you need to be in this company. Am I speaking to somebody? They transitioned to new homes by faith, Abram and his family. It says in Genesis chapter 13, Abram was very rich. Say very rich. Mm, I like it. Very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he went on in his journey. So God didn't leave him broke. Abram just had to show up to where it was. <laughs> God has a plan for your family. He's not going to leave you out there if God is talking to you about transition. 
then he's already got something carved out for you because you have rights to this. This is your promise right here. And then in Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, this is one of my favorites. God picked Abram because he knew he would teach his kids and command him in the ways of faith. Command him in the ways of faith. God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. That's the first command he gave in Genesis 1.28. said, be fruitful and multiply. But how can I get fruit without a root? How can I get roots without a seed? So if I'm going to be fruitful and multiply, that means that I have to be sowing a seed. But what am I going to sow? I got to be sowing the word of God. Luke 8, 11 says, the seed is the word of God. And as I sow the word of God to each one of my situations, my circumstances, my trials, what I'll start to see is the word of God results show up in my situation. Amen? So let's turn to uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. So we're tracking through. Okay, cool. All right, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And I want to I tell you about the next component of that, because we're talking about faith. You're in a faith house. You know faith. You walk by faith. You operate in faith. It says, the just shall live by faith. So you're walking by faith and not by sight. But what is the thing that, that is, is the connector? I believe that there's some connectors there. We hear about faith, um, but we have, to, we have to put our faith to work. Amen. Say, put faith to work. Put faith to work. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. So this is after Joshua had taken over from Moses. And this is a familiar scripture. It says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Say all. You may do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So check this out. He's saying you. Like God does it, but you are the one that is the driver of it. You determine if this thing is going to be successful. This is the only place, the only verse in the King James Bible that the word success was mentioned. Only place. And notice the components that are necessary to succeed are meditating the word of God and then doing what's in it. So meditation is a necessary component of your success for your kingdom family. Meditation, what am I talking about? Biblical meditation. But that word meditation, it's a Greek word that's pronounced daga. And it actually doesn't just mean to think. We know, you know, meditation, so sometimes we think, think. It doesn't just mean to think or to ponder about, you know, I'm at work, I'm thinking about it, you know, I'm doing this, I'm thinking about it. But it also means to mutter, to utter, or to say. So whenever we're talking about biblical meditation, we're talking about that there is an element of saying interwoven into meditating the Word of God. See, I believe that there's three levels of the Word of God, that when, we're, when we first come to the Word of God, we open up this chapter, we open up this verse, and the first time we read it, that's the first base level. We can just read it. But, you know, anybody can just read the Word of God. There's a lot of people who actually read the Word of God and don't believe it. You know how I know that they don't believe it? Because they don't behave like they believe it. Because behavior is indicative of belief. So you can read the word of God and have unbelief in your heart. But 
The next level is not just reading it, but the next level is understanding it. Like as I read it, now I'm going to read it some more, I'm going to meditate it some more. Now I have understanding of what I'm reading. This makes sense. Oh, the blessing of Abraham. Okay, faith. Okay, I have to walk in love. Quiet and peaceful, a peaceable spirit. Okay, this all makes sense. I'm understanding. But then there's a higher level that after you read it, after you understand it, then it starts speaking back to you. That's that higher level where it starts speaking back to you. And I'll show you um, how this works, but I'll give you a, a personal story first. So our oldest kid, um, we have four children together. And our oldest child went off to college this fall. I know it's amazing, right? How do y'all have college kids? So our oldest went to college this uh, past fall. So Nikki and, and Jacob, they went to London. Our, our um, son is going to school in London um, because he wants to do clothing and fashion design. And so got into one of the best schools in the world. Very competitive, very hard to do. But we have favor. Say, I have favor. So we got favor. The door opened up. Come on, all the financial provision opened up. Come on, tuition paid for. Amen. And so, so um, they went down there to get them in. But, you know, when you have a son that's going to an international school, there's a lot of things that you have to do, a lot of international preparation. You have to get visa and this and that, and you have to, um, you have, to have a student visa. So it was quite a process that I was over-managing. And, you know, so, so we kind of split up the duties sometimes. Okay, you manage this, I'll manage this. So that was my part. And so when the, we had everything applied and then it came back successful, they said, okay, your visa has been granted. The student visa for the year has been granted. So they sent us all the stuff back. So I was like, cool. I reviewed it. I was like, cool. We're good. I, I did my job well. And I was like, good. You know, felt good about myself. Check mark. And, um, and they were going to fill out some uh, pre-enrollment things online before they went uh, last month to London. So they're filling out this pre-enrollment stuff, and um, Nikki, had, you text me. I think I was maybe napping or something. You had text me, and, um, and I saw the text when I woke up and went downstairs, and she was asking about the uh, validity date, the, the valid date for the visa. And I said, well, yeah, it should be on there. I went down, and I checked the visa, and she was like, I think they made an error. I think there's something wrong. The, the date is wrong for the visa. And I was like, no, no, that's not possible. Hold on, let me, okay, let, let me look at it. You know how you go, guys. Let, let me, just let me look at it. Let me look at it for a second. Hold on. Hold on. Let me look at this. So I'm, I'm, a <laughs> y'all know how we do. You know, we, we got those expert pair of eagle eyes. Let me not, let me look at this real quick. Hold on. So I'm checking it out with my male eyes. And um, I'm like, man, hold on now. <laughs> so let me, hop, let me open my computer for a second. So I'm kind of researching because the date of the visa was supposed to be valid for 30 days for while they're actually physically there in London. And then they get the second component, which is like um, some kind of like temporary residency card um, that allows them to stay for the year. And so there's a short window of a month that the visa is valid for. And so it's supposed to be while they're there. And so the date wasn't reading for that date. They were going to be there in September, so it's supposed to be valid for most of September. But the date was reading for valid for August. So I was like, oh, man. And they were about to leave in some days. And I was like, oh, we don't have enough time to send it back. So I'm quietly freaking out. But I'm watching my words because I'm a man of faith. 
So even though I might quietly be going through, I watch what I say. Because I don't want to give the enemy permission to do something destructive. So I'm, I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him. I was like, man, man. Okay, and so Nikki's kind of asking more questions. I'm like, hold on, hold on. I'm still looking at it. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. And, uh, and so I, I look at it some more. And, and the date was, was saying valid for 8, 9, 18 through 9, 8, 18. But they weren't supposed to be there till 9, 15, 18. So you're tracking with me? So it looked too early, and, and I kept looking at it and looking at it. It took about 45 minutes, and I didn't want to say anything. I just kept saying, well, hold on. Just give me some time. <laughs> and the more I looked at it, the more it didn't make sense. I followed everything that was supposed to be done. I did everything by the instructions. We went through all the necessary steps, and then I read a portion that something started to click inside of me. I read a portion that said, your temporary visa will be valid for seven days before your stated arrival date. I went to the application. I said, okay, stated arrival date is correct. And then I went back and looked at the visa, and I said, now how come this date's not correct? And then all of a sudden, it clicked. And I said, wait a minute. Their dating system is different in Europe than it is here. We do month, day, year. They do day, month, year. And, and I was like, wait a minute. Valid for seven days before we get there for 30 days. This is right. But I didn't get to that conclusion until I went through all the steps and I meditated long enough and got more information to the point that I was sure that I knew that I knew that I knew that everything that I had done was right. But then it clicked. But it wasn't until I studied that thing long enough that the Holy Spirit quickened me. And I believe that meditating the word of God changes your perspective on a situation. That biblical meditation was God's plan to help you change your mind. Let me say it again. Biblical meditation was always God's plan to help you change your mind. It says in Romans, uh, or no, in Psalms 119, verse 130, that the entrance of your word gives light. And it gives understanding to the simple. So what do you do when you come in a dark room and can't see? Flip on the light because it helps you navigate into where to go. So what I've been learning is that meditating the Word of God helps me see. So meditating the Word of God is what helps me keep my marriage strong by faith. That for, for my faith, for something, it will grow as I continue to speak the words of God. So I got to continue to speak the Word of God. And so it'll start to shift my perspective. So let me do a quick demonstration as I close. I want to start to do an illustration because I want to make this plain. Um, can I borrow you, sir? Come on up. And then, Minister Newman, can I borrow you too? Oh, this is wonderful. So this is what I want, want to do. I'll put my back to you. I know it's not proper as a speaker, but I'll put my back to you. And I want you to come forward just one step. And I want you to stand just directly behind him. 
when we're facing life, we're going through our challenges and, and you know, we're, we're doing family life, we're taking care of our kids, um, you know, living life with our spouse. We're living a kingdom life. We're having um, this kingdom household, building a household of faith that there's certain situations that are going to come up and they're going to come up and pop up in our lives. And so we see these issues pop up. And what happens is the issue presents itself right in our face. Anybody got a situation you're dealing with right now? It seems like it's there. Like, for the last several mornings, you wake up, and it's right next to your bed. Like, hello, how are you? Did you sleep well? I'm still here. I'm happy to bother you today. So we get this situation. And so, Brother Robert, you're representing this situation. But what happens is, oftentimes, it's hard to see past our situation. But when we meditate the Word of God, it helps us see the way God sees So we see our situation, but until we meditate the word of God, we cannot see the way out of our situation. But biblical meditation doesn't change God. It doesn't change his mind or his ways. Biblical meditation changes me. So I see the issue, and as long as I continue to only see the issue, I'll be tempted to speak over the issue and confirm the issue. But when I continue to speak the word of God through meditation, I actually start to change me, which starts to shift me into a different position so I can have a different perspective on my same situation. So the more I move, the more I can see what God has already aligned for me for my deliverance. So I'm meditating the word of God. Let's, let's say I'm meditating the word of God. The Lord shall increase me more and more, me and my children. But I don't feel like I have increased kind of finances because the pockets is empty. So I'm, I'm, I'm meditating this, and I'm saying it seven times a day. And the first temptation is to feel like this ain't true. So why should I keep saying it? But the word of God is true. It's more true than your situation. It was here before your situation was here. So I see my financial situation, but I decide to confess the word of God that the Lord will increase me more and more, me and my children. And it starts to shift me and shift me. Now, my situation's still there, but it shifts me and shifts me and shifts me. And one day I see what God has already hidden for me, not from me, for me, so I can have deliverance out of this situation. And one day Pastor Carrick's teaching a message and the Holy Ghost hits me in my wife's heart and says, so $500. And I said, that's all we got in our savings. And he says, I know, that's all I want. Has anybody ever been there before? Ah, 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 ah. Ah, Significant seed. feel like I've hit, hit a little something in the spirit. But because I've been meditating the word of God, my spirit has been conditioned to receive that word. See, a lot of times when our spirit hasn't been conditioned to receive the word, we meet it with unbelief instead of faith. So the Holy Spirit will prompt us to something, and if we haven't been meditating, we haven't conditioned ourselves to receive that prompting. So it comes, but we release it because we don't have enough faith to see the way God sees. So we shift ourselves into position, and then I see 
the deliverance. Okay, I got to sow the seed, but I can see like God sees. So I sow the seed in faith. And because I've been meditating the word of God, my faith is strong. I'm not wavering at the promise. And I continue to confess the word of God. We sow the seed. And next week, somebody comes and says, I know you've been believing for a new job. As a matter of fact, there's a job that opened with my old company, but it's, it's out in this other place. You're going to have to move. And, and I said, well, you know, that naturally doesn't appeal. I hadn't really thought about that before. But the Holy Spirit says, but no, I want you to follow that out. So I check up on that, and, and, and I say, wow, I, baby, I feel good about this position. And she says, yeah, I, I feel good about it too. And we look at it, and then they make me an offer, and the offer comes in, and it was three times more than the old job that I was making. And they say, we'll pay for all the costs necessary to relocate you. And I say, whoa, what? What is this? And then God says, that's why I had to condition your spirit to receive the increase because sometimes it's wrapped in a vehicle that you won't recognize naturally. That your natural recognition system may dismiss it, but your spirit knew it. Your spirit knew that this is what was needed. Your spirit knew that, oh, this is the vehicle of increase that you've been praying about. So my situation, my situation, it starts to move aside. Because I take hold of the promise of what God had already promised me. It was already there. It was there all the time. All the time. It was there. Just as soon as my problem was there, it was there. But I just couldn't see it. Because I needed biblical meditation to shift me into the proper perspective. Come on, give them a hand clap. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet together. Hmm. Hallelujah. I pray and trust that the word of God has helped you this morning and that whatever you're going through, whatever the situation is, God has an answer. It may not be financial. Maybe you need restoration in the household. Maybe you need restoration in the marriage. Maybe you need restoration with a, a child or a son and daughter. Or maybe a mom or a father. You've been estranged from them. Or maybe you need health and healing. Maybe there's an evil report that the doctor has given. No matter what it is, there's a solution for all of these things. It's found in the Word of God. You have good Bible teaching here. But what's being done here is just the seed. But between now and next Sunday, it's your job to meditate on that word seed that you've been given. Pastor Carrick can't shift your perspective for you. That's something that you are responsible for doing. Salvation was done for us and given to us. But renewing of our mind was something that God said, this is your responsibility. You have to do this. You have to renew your mind to my ways and my thoughts, my ideas, because I have a plan for your family. Let's raise our hands onto the air and just praise our God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, and we lift you up. We exalt you. You're, uh, you're El Shaddai, Elohim. You are Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who sees and provides. You have great and precious promises for us, Lord, and we just take hold of those promises by faith. You've made them available through grace, Lord, and we just want to see as you see. We believe, Father God, with all of our heart that you have some 
something great for our families, Lord. When we bind every negative word that has been spoken over our marriage, that has been spoken over our family, that has been spoken over our kids or our household, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for doing great and mighty things. We take hold of your great and precious promises by faith. I thank you, Father God, for new jobs, Lord, and promotions. I thank you, Father, for kids who have been wayward, that they are coming back to Christ, that they are coming back to what they know. I just feel that the Holy Spirit is saying that he's heard your prayers, and your prayers have kept your child safe. And even though they might have been out there making the wrong decision, see them coming home. Expect them any day now to come home. We thank you, Father, that the devil cannot have our kids. We bind the enemy in Jesus' name and every wicked plan and assignment that he's tried to loose over our children or over our household. You are a defeated foe and we overcome you by faith. We thank you, Lord, that we are victorious and that you have given us victory through Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we receive everything that you have for us. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. And even as we leave this church building today, just continue to speak to us. Give us the instructions necessary and help us to perceive what you're doing in the Spirit. In Jesus' name. I hear the Lord saying that this is not the end. This is just the beginning. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. The last chapter was a setup for this chapter. And the setback was a setup for a comeback. Because your platform for deliverance was being built even before you knew it. And that no man can deny what is about to happen in your life. You're about to see my hand move in a way that you've never seen it move. And in this house, in this church house, I hear threefold increase. That by the end of next year, you'll have to add more services. Because there's an anointing of increase and there's an anointing of favor coming on this house. An anointing of favor coming on this house. That you are being favored to birth new things. Favored to birth new things. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, for wombs opening up. Wombs opening up, Lord. Thank you, Jesus both naturally and spiritually, wombs are opening up. That you've tried several times before and your dream has still not come to pass and it's made you feel like your spiritual womb is barren. But barrenness is a part of the curse. And we thank you, Lord, for opening up those wombs naturally and spiritually so we can conceive once again and we can birth forth that thing that you've already commanded in the heavenlies. We can birth it here in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm. I thank you, Father, for the birthing of new businesses, new organizations, new dreams, new visions, new online businesses. I hear in the spirit an online e-commerce business. I hear it, and, and don't think small, think big. Online e-commerce, not selling a couple things. Think, think Amazon big. Think multiple distribution centers. I just feel that dream coming back alive. That God didn't forget about it. He put it there for such a time as this. 
Now speak over that thing. Every day, speak over that thing. Put something up. Remind yourself of it. Speak over it every day. See it, see it, see it, see it, see it. Lord, as we seize it, we believe, as we see it, we believe we will seize it. And we take hold of it by faith. The victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith, Lord. We thank you, Father, for doing all these mighty things. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That the fruit of our womb is blessed. And that we have the seed of the word of God that will grow up and bear forth much good fruit. We thank you, Lord. Call it done right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody give God a praise right now. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.